Girlfriends, episode number 271, Big Family Finances with Sam and Rob Fatzinger. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, we've got my good friends on Sam and Rob Fatzinger. You're going to love getting to know this this amazing couple, this amazing co-author team who are parents of 14 kids. Their story is amazing. I can't wait to share it with you. Let's go. Hello, girlfriend. How are you? Glad you're here. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Like I said at the start, I've got some special guests that I'm excited to share with you here today, share our recent conversation with Rob and Sam Fatzinger. But first, I want to be sure to remind you that pre-orders are ongoing for my newest book with Ascension, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. So if you have not yet had a chance to check this out, Go on over to ascensionpress.com and check out the new book, Whisper. It's available for pre-order. And I want to make sure that you get that pre-order because there is a special bonus that you can only get through pre-ordering the book at ascensionpress.com. And that special bonus is a free companion journal that goes along chapter by chapter along with the book. This is one you can use on your own for your own journaling and reflection and prayer time as you're going through the book, or you can use it with a friend, or you can use it with a women's group or your parish group, however you want to do it. So it's really a valuable resource, and it's exclusively available from Ascension through pre-orders. It's absolutely free, so you'll get that bonus content right away while you're waiting for your book to ship. So head on over to ascensionpress.com. I'm going to be sharing more about the book with you right here on the Girlfriends Podcast in the coming weeks. We're going to do a mini book club beginning in June when the books are shipping and you're able to have your copy. But in the meantime, I want to make sure you get over there and pre-order. All right, I don't want to delay any further getting to my conversation about big family finances. But you know what? These are family finances for families of any size. Of course, Sam and Rob are parents of 14. And uh, so, of course, they fit into that big family category. But what they share inside of their book is really just practical advice for families of all different kinds. And I love that they incorporate their Catholic faith through everything that they share. They're just a lovely, dynamic couple. Well, Sam's more dynamic. Sam's the extrovert and Rob is the introvert. Anyway, you're going to uh, love getting to know them. And let me tell you, they are the real deal. They are truly my friends. And I met them in person uh, a few different times, I think. But the most recent time was when I did uh, my You're Worth It retreat in Maryland. They live in Maryland. And I had the chance afterwards to go over to their house and enjoy dinner with their family. And let me tell you, they are the real deal. Their kids are the real deal. Everything about what they do and what they share is inspiring and encouraging and also just very practically supportive of Catholic family life. So absolutely a pleasure to have the recent conversation with them. And you can now take a listen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm excited to have a couple joining us today, Rob and Sam Fatzinger. You probably know Sam. She was part of the Catholic Mom Summit. She's been a guest here on Girlfriends in the past. But Rob and Sam are both here together today, and they are the parents of 14. That is not a mistake. I actually said that. 14 kids and grandparents of seven, whose financial success story has been featured in publications, including the Washington Post and other places, uh, EWTN, 
with the Dave Ramsey show all over the place. These people have been making waves with their financial success story. Wait till you hear about it. The couple lives together in Bowie, Maryland, and they are now co-authors of a book. So you can learn all about this. So the book is newly available from Ave Maria Press, A Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More, Advice from a Debt-Free Family of 16. Wow. Welcome, Sam and Rob Fatzinger. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's a long title. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but it's attention getting, and it really does make you want to dive into that book's contents. So maybe we'll start with you, Rob. I'd like to put you on the spot because you're one of the few male guests we've had here at Girlfriends. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, this book has been a lifetime in the making. (laughs) How did you get started being a financial guru? Did you go into this to, to be this person, to be this kind of expert? No, it's always been interested in money. My dad was a banker his whole life. I was in banking um, when I was first out of college for about eight years mm-hmm. before I moved into different careers and just always handled the finances for the family too. So. Okay. So this Kinda, came from you, right? So this was like this frugal living, but Sam, you you jumped right on board because I know when we talked to your girlfriends, you were sharing some of your frugal living tips, but okay. So Sam- Tell me how did how did this get started early on in your marriage? When when did you realize that you guys were going to be on the same page with regard to frugal living and debt free living? So I am the youngest of nine, and my parents were much older than my friends' parents, and um, they had hardly no money. And in the days when they had kids, many of the people didn't have money to even help them out. Mm-hmm. So Rob and I were always, you know struggling financially in the beginning. And I always say that every couple should start off with no money because it just (laughs) helps you appreciate everything and work together. And it doesn't get you in any bad habits. Mm -hmm. So after we were married for a year, we opened our own business. We opened a Christian bookstore and sold Catholic things. Mm -hmm. And wasn't sure how that was going to go, but we started off with this new adventure and had hardly no money, but it was just kind of a, a ministry to start off with. And when our oldest daughter was six months old, we found out we were pregnant with our second child. So we yep. knew it had to be a success because my husband was going to have to quit his full-time banking job to take over so I could raise these two little ones 14 months apart. Right. And we just, you know, continue to learn how to pinch pennies. My mom and my, the way I was raised, it was very easy because we'd never had a lot and we just always learned how to make do. Mm -hmm. And so Rob being the oldest of three and not uh, being as thrifty, but also wanting for me to stay home with our kids, it was easy to, to know that we just weren't going to have a lot of extra to spend on, you know, fancy cars and fancy vacations. Right. And to just try to live simply. And then when we finally did start making money, we just kept living simply. Yeah. So you, you were living on a very tight budget and you kind of developed those habits. And then when you found yourselves making a little bit more money, you just kept up those habits. Is that how it worked, Rob? Pretty much. Yeah. And Sam does not like to shop. God bless her. So we- <laughs> We don't fight about money or argue about money. We got other things we can fight and argue about, but money, <laughs> money is not really one of them. Um, we've never no. had that problem. And I'm good at tracking the money and planning it out and doing that. And Sam's good at not spending money. 
There you so, go. That's a skill in a, itself. It's a, it's a good partnership. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like that in the book's title, you talk about spending less and living more because many people hear this idea of frugal living. They're hearing, okay, parents of 14 living debt-free. What on earth can that possibly look like? That sounds like misery. Are you eating lentils every night for dinner? How are you doing this? Uh, talk a little bit about the joy that can be found inside of simpler living, inside of going without and, and saving up for things. Well, first of all, the joy of seeing God providing. Mm-hmm. So from an early age, my kids always knew that <clears throat> if they wanted something and then they had to, you know, ask their guardian angel or just hope for that, you know, wait till Christmas or wait till their birthday from grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. So they knew from an early age that God provided because we have so many stories of, you know, my oldest daughter needing a new pair of church shoes. And I kind of jokingly said, just pray your guardian angel. And the next day there's a pair of shoes on our front porch. <laughs> and so they saw that at an early age, anytime we needed something, God provided. And we say a lot that, you know, when God asked us to, to live simply and be open to life and be open to having a big family, he just said, trust me. He didn't say, you know, in 1994, I'm going to get you this great deal on a house. And on 2001, you're going to find this amazing foreclosure in your dream neighborhood. And, you know, when your car breaks down, somebody's going to donate another car, a car to you. I mean, he just said trust. And so our kids have seen that and our kids have learned to make do. And, and if they really want something, they save it up and they have all worked at a young age, you know, babysitting, dog sitting, shoveling snow, paper routes when those were a thing. And they contributed mm-hmm. to the book. Yes. You know, there's little sections the kids helped write in the book. Okay, the so you trusted your kids to actually write in your book. <laughs> I like this. What are, yeah, what are some of the first, stories that yeah, they've they've shared yeah. in there and you know some of their own experiences with with this kind of life? It made me very proud reading what they had to say because some things I didn't really think about and we were laughing the other day we have a a very large crazy family group chat and my son was talking about you know when he was little and we would go for walks that how it would take forever for me to get home pushing the stroller because every three feet I'd stop and pick up trash and we I just you know kind of taught them that but I forgot that and he said that's probably my earliest memory mom is you just always teaching us that you know we want to keep the world clean and we want to you know never litter and stuff but I didn't even remember that so when they share these stories now we actually are expecting our eighth grandchild wow. and to see the kids uh, raising their own kids. And our oldest daughter, it just bought her fourth house. They wow. rent out three houses and that's how they offset her working minimally and her husband, you know, it's just so funny to see how our kids are living this life. And I'm so proud of them. And, you know, we, one of the big things that the Washington Post hit on was that our kids were graduating from college debt-free. And that was mostly that was the <laughs> older kids now that COVID has hit. You know, our two kids that are in college right now, I don't know what that's going to look like for them because right. usually our kids are working full time. And right now they're barely working part-time. And yeah. I just I feel so sorry for them because I hate to watch them get into debt because then you start off your future vocation, usually with this, you know, horrible college debt just hanging over your head. We know lots of couples who had to wait or felt as if they needed to wait to have a baby, or we Mm -hmm. know young people who 
were discerning a vocation and couldn't join a convent or become a religious or a priest because you have to have no debt. And right, right now with the way the world's going, there's hardly anybody, you know, graduating without debt. Yeah. That's and, a countercultural idea that, that most people can't relate to that at all. Like they think it's impossible. Uh, you, your kids have for sure been proving that it's possible, maybe more challenging in the age of COVID when maybe you're not yes. able to be working full time. Um, but at least you've, you've instilled those, those values and that's a goal for them. Um, Rob, I want to ask you along those lines of you, Sam mentioned some couples feeling like they need to wait to have another baby. That for sure is like part of our culture, as you know, like people are like, you have to have X amount of dollars or you have to own your house and you have to, you know, all of this before you can even think about starting a family or sometimes even before you can think about getting married. Uh, what might you say to that, to a generation that believes that? Um, well, we got pregnant on our honeymoon. We had no money <laughs> to speak of. <laughs> um, it all worked out for us so far, obviously. 30, yeah. Two years later, almost. Yeah. 32 just years. turned 31 <laughs> this week. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, we didn't have a lot. We had, a, you know, we had everything but money, as friends of ours used to say about us. Right. Uh, we, we had food. We had a roof over our head, and we just basically trusted. I mean, we we didn't just, you know, quit our jobs and wait for right. money fall from the sky. We did our part and worked, but we didn't, you know, work eighty-hour weeks or you know, extra things like that. We were mm-hmm. and right. Sam I was think- home with the kids the whole time. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that it's really about finding that balance. And it will look different for, for different couples, of course, depending on their circumstances. But finding that balance between what we know we're called to trust in God, but that doesn't mean throwing all caution to the wind and you don't even have to get a job or, you know, any of that. Right. It sounds like you guys have really found that balance that really has worked for your family. So let, let's talk about some of these strategies that you might be sharing with families. Let's say there's I'm sure there are people listening right now who are struggling with debt. Maybe they've got a young family and that's where they're at. And maybe COVID has thrown them you know, off the rails financially. We know that's a situation for a lot of people through no fault of their own. What, what might you say to somebody who's feeling overwhelmed by their financial situation, especially if they're dealing with a young family right now? Well, I would say just think about your priorities and simplify everything, kind of narrow it down to what needs to be paid what can be on, you know, put aside for now. I, I have one good thing I think about this whole pandemic is so many families have really found that they can do things they never thought. People homeschooling, uh, mm-hmm. people working from home. I think this has been a huge blessing because one of the big things I, one of the big reasons I wrote this book was to let moms know that you can be a stay-at-home mom and live debt-free and you, or you can have less of kids and still make do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have seen so many families who just had babies and, you know, they're planning on going back to work and due to COVID, they've been working from home. So their eyes have been open, people homeschooling, people doing virtual school and seeing that this can be done. And it's not as you know scary as they thought, because <laughs> you know, we homeschool and I try to explain to them, it's nothing compared to virtual school. Virtual school has been <laughs> killing us. We've right. got like four or five kids. We had last March, we had kids in the closets with, you know, it was crazy <laughs> everywhere. And I thought I was losing my mind, but I do think that people are seeing that you can adjust, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to go out to eat every week. You don't have to go shopping. You know, all these people can't go anywhere. And 
I think if you just kind of make, you know, make a plan for what you want, right. if it, if it is a vacation, if it is especially a new car or, you know, we, we constantly have car trouble with something. So mm-hmm. if it is having that money put aside, so I kind of tell everybody, just remember my name, just remember Sam, you know, S is for saving and simplifying and it's Lent. So suffer. <laughs> <laughs> and A is for asking for help. I am like the queen of asking for help. I don't know if it's because I'm the youngest of a large family and I'm spoiled or because I'm an extrovert, but I know 60% of my friends would rather die than ask somebody for help. Right. And I think it's it's our pride. I'm, I deal with pride a lot, but it has takes a lot to have to you know say, hey, does anybody have, you know, a pair of rollerblades because I just we really can't afford it right now, and I can pretty much guarantee you that in a week my kid's not going to want them anymore anyway. <laughs> and so we can kind of pass them on. My friends and I kind of joke about having this like revolving door where we just kind of keep passing on, like you know the bounce the huge bouncy seat that your baby uses for like oh yeah, and, or the, the the special swing that you use for you know two weeks. All these wonderful things, but people are going out and spending so much money on all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. we kind of have like, we're big thrifters, we're big garage sale people. And so now we're at the point we don't need anything. So actually I gave up going to thrift stores for Lent because I was buying my grandchildren so much stuff. (laughs) And all my kids who are married are like minimalists. They're like, no, mom, we don't want that blanket that you've been saving for us. for. Is that what the M and Sam stands for? Minimalist? Minimalize? What is the M and Sam? So the M is, yes, make make do and minimalize. I mean, I could go on and on with the M's. (laughs) <laughs> ask Mother Mary, you know, A, A is asking God for help, asking God to put people in their lives to help. But M is for making do. My mom, again, was always in that, you know, um, depression area where you make do with what you had. Mm-hmm. I, I'm all about plan B. You know, if plan A falls apart, I can make do with <laughs> fixing something or, you know, when you I, you know, I've been looking at these people in Texas and what they're going through. And I'm like, okay, if you only have like six ingredients in your refrigerator, I could whip up something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Make it work. I love Make that. It That's work. the great and can-do attitude. One thing I have noticed just recently, uh, we have four children married, two daughters and two sons. And I have realized that something I never knew I was doing all these years, I have made amazing spouses. God, the way we raise our kids, our in-laws, our kids' spouses are like so grateful that my kids don't expect fancy vacations or fancy cars or learn to make do or low maintenance kids. Very low maintenance. maintenance. I never realized what a gift that was to the future, you know, to these future in-laws and daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws. It's been amazing because my kids don't have like uh, not only that but i look at my sons like they'll never say to their wives you don't keep a house as tidy as my mom did because <laughs> i'm not a very good housekeeper this is the gift they'll never say, given. you don't cook as good as my mom did because i'm not a oh very good gosh. cook so i'm like wow these you know that's like a first a wonderful position to be in with my daughter-in-laws they just you know think wow i'm grateful that you didn't make these kids expect me to be amazing all the time but it's yeah. been a blessing because they have learned to to budget. They all are really good with money. Mm-hmm. That's all Rob. You know, he's taught them. 
Well, yeah, they've been raised in the perfect environment for practicing that. But let's talk about, you know, you mentioned like saving for a vacation or deciding what your your kind of long-term priorities might be because, you know, some people might think, okay, this couple wrote this book. They're raising these kids debt-free, this huge family. And so they, they must just be sacrificing all the time. But I, I know that, for example, you, you mentioned having kids who are married, that you've saved for weddings and vacations and other kinds of experiences like that. Maybe, Rob, could you describe a little bit about how you've done that and how you determine, like, what is worth spending your money on? Yeah, well, we, we set aside a certain amount each month for, well, I go into it in more detail in the book, but for, you know, long-term expenses and mm-hmm. things we know that are coming up and, and, and for surprises, so for both to be prepared for. One of our sons got married out in Phoenix, so we had to do, I think we mentioned that in the book, a Paul, you know, 15 people across country right. on the East Coast and rent a house and this and that. So we, you know, that was obviously a priority. So, you know, other things, we didn't do a whole lot else that year. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that was a priority, taking everybody out to um, Arizona for, you know, a week and, you know, and enjoying the wedding and having a good time. So. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about that was our kids were so excited. They got to go on airplanes. We got to stay at a, we got an Airbnb, it had a pool, it had a hot tub. You would have thought they, you know, died and went to heaven. They were so <laughs> excited. And that was, they joked with their brother at Christmas because he got married in November. Like, thanks a lot, Josh. We didn't have Christmas this year because you got married. <laughs> but we got to go to the Grand Canyon. We got yeah. to go to all sorts. We were just like on cloud nine there because it was November, but it was like 78 degrees. The kids were so excited. There was like a lemon tree in our backyard. They were making lemonade. It was so, so fun to, to watch the world through their eyes, like how appreciative they were. And I think I'm like, well, I'm so grateful they weren't like, oh, well, why do we have to do this? Or, but you know, a lot of them it was their first plane trip, and it was a memory forever. And the best thing about my husband was that could have put any other family in a tailspin with financially. Sure. They spent, you know, that's like about $10,000 that could have just skyrocketed into, uh, you know, Christmas was right afterwards. A lot of families would still be trying to pay that off. And we didn't have to do that because he had this money put aside. Right. And that is what's so great about us living this way. We do Mm -hmm. have a new role though. No, none of the boys are allowed to date any uh, girls that live more than an hour drive from our house. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not doing that again. That, so, that was a one and done. That, that's it. <laughs> one and done. It was like our, our kids have never asked to go to Disney World. <laughs> but I kind of pictured it like that because, you know, we were in a different, we were doing hikes and walking. I and mean, my kids caught a scorpion. We saw a cactus. Oh I mean, it was amazing. It was you have this like amazing whole- experience, all these memories. and It was yeah. wonderful memories. And, and we do do vacations every year. We just don't, you know, we don't fly to the Caribbean or, <laughs> right, you know, or right. stuff like that. We you go to the beach a couple hours of, away. And- we kind of have a rule. We go to the beach and we go to the beach to go to the beach. We yeah, because <laughs> once you're there, the beach is free. <laughs> yeah, we don't go to the beach to yeah. go miniature golfing. We don't go to the beach to go to the movies or out for right. ice cream every night. We go to the beach to enjoy the beach. So pray for good weather. <laughs> right, yeah, I want people to know we're not like, you know, living in cardboard boxes. Yeah, exactly. Overpass, eating ramen every night. 
<laughs> right. Uh, you're actually living, living but you're being time. intentional about what you want to spend your money on. I think that that's really just wise. And uh, I, so when you go on these, like say for the wedding trip, Rob, were you able to relax or are you, were you yeah. like uptight about the money or were you feeling like I, no, I, I was I, okay. Cause good. we, um, yeah, we had the, um, we'd start, well, when they got engaged like a year before and I, it so took a few plan. weeks, but then it clicked in my brain that we'd have to go. Oh, wait, we're, we're going to have to go to uh, Arizona. <laughs> local. I'm a little slow that way. So um, <laughs> so we started, you know, collecting Southwest points. And, you know, so because we, we flew, we didn't, it would have been like a three-day drive each way. And I don't yeah. know that we would have survived. Some of the I know, not everybody would have come out alive the in, the road our in the grass yeah. And our college kids were in those week of finals. So it worked yeah, so, out. So we went out in stages. So, yeah, I was right. not. Some vacations I have been stressed. This I was not stressed. We had a good time. Everybody got along. Um, the weather was fantastic. So yeah, we didn't have to go into debt to pay for it. After exactly. he, about an hour after he pushed the button for the 15, 14 or 15 plane tickets, he was a little bit in shock for a while. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then it was great. And, and I had the little kids out there a week ahead of time doing all those wonderful things you know, all the great sightseeing. And then he and the college kids all flew up. Yeah, yeah. we all we flew out in stages with different groups. And then we all flew back. Together. There's 15 of us on the Southwest plane flying back. This just but. sounds like a reality TV show. I, I want to see the Fat Singers go to Phoenix, I think. It was, it was, pretty, it was pretty amazing. And I, my poor daughter-in-law, the next day, we're all trudging to the, trying to not lose anybody and get, getting all of our luggage. And we bumped into my son and daughter-in-law. She probably thought, oh my gosh. I thought we were done with this. They're still here. Ran into her at the airport. And all my kids are running, you know, the oldest brother, Josh, Josh, you know, like like you're seeing Jesus or something. They're like, yeah, we saw him, we saw him. Oh my gosh, that is so cute. It's been such a blessing. And, you know, one of the other great things that we have taught our kids and, you know, people kind of ask, you know, how do you, how do you stay debt free? And, I kind of say you just gotta be mean and learn to say no a lot. <laughs> That's hard. You no, know, you can't, no, we, no, we can't stop by McDonald's. I know you're hungry. No, we can't. You know, I'm glad you just made us a goal in your soccer game, but no, home and celebrate. But our kids pay for all everything. Mm-hmm. They pay for their own phone. They pay for their own clothes when they're older. You know, if they don't like what I'm giving them, you know, then I'm sorry. You know, you don't like the shoes that we have or the cleats that we have, then you can get your own. But We've seen that they have learned to swap things with their friends and make do. And, and well, thrifting is real big right now. So all my kids right. love going to thrift stores. So they're like, I got this coat for four bucks. You know, I can sell <laughs> yeah. this for a brand coat. For, yeah, they're all excited. So like North Face <laughs> jacket for a couple of dollars yeah, or so, something like so that. So it, it's the game is on, you know. Right. And so they, they pay for their own college. They pay for their own books. And what I have seen is that they will not miss a class. They will not miss a study hall. They will not miss ever doing extra credit because they want to pass that class. Yeah, they're fully invested. Yeah, they're going to have to pay for it if they do it again. They're going to have to take the time out of their busy schedule to retake that class. My, our daughter who's a freshman in college is doing online school, unfortunately, but she laughs because they have all these extra classes that you can go for extra credit she's been going she goes it's so easy mama just click on she goes I'm always the only one (laughs) so the teacher the teacher is like wow you're great this is wonderful you're doing great in class so they they are getting a rapport with their teacher and I tell people at least three times my kids have gotten grades 
that they didn't deserve. So they had like 79. 79 point whatever. Point, point something or an 88.9. And their teachers yep. have given them, you know, rounded up, rounded up higher. Because they know they're invested. Yeah. yeah, because they're like, oh, that's they the try. kid. That's the kid who re- who came to every study hall. Or that's the kid who sent me a message and said, is there anything I can do to bring my grade up or met right. with them when they had office hours? And so I tell people all the time, it's not that we are wonderful. It's just that we have taught our kids to make, you know, to, to fight for yourself and fight for your education. And, and you, you want to go to that school, or you want to live on campus, then you're going to have to get that extra job. Right. My kids work long, long hours in the summer to make money to pay for school. We, most of our kids have, all of our kids have gone to state schools. They go to community college for two years and then they go to state schools. But some of them have decided they wanted to live on campus with friends or live in the dorm and that's fine, but they have to pay for it. Yeah, and get yeah, a figure out a way to pay for it. So, so, yeah, <laughs> some have lived here and eaten our food and yeah. made the, saved a lot of money, but yeah. 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 yeah, it makes a ton of sense. My oldest commuted to college and for her, I mean, it was a hundred percent financial decision. Like all her friends were doing this other thing and she just couldn't fathom the idea of taking on debt for that it just wasn't worth it. So totally get that. And so maybe share just a little bit before we have to wrap up here, Rob, I'm going to go to you with this. How do you find that, you know, living this way in this simpler way, having kids earn the things that they want and prioritize in that way, how does that help to cultivate uh, a sense of generosity, which some people might think it would be the opposite. Like you'd be, you'd become kind of miserly if you're, you're counting every penny, but in the book yeah. you share that this really works in the opposite way. How have you seen that? Yeah. Our, our kids are they're I mean, they're generous with their time and their money. They're not, you know, Scrooge. Right. They're not you know, counting every, well, they might be counting every penny just because they like money, but they're not, you know, <laughs> hoarding, they're not hoarding their money or their time. Um, they're willing to help you know, help out friends or go out and do things. But yeah, it's, it did not create, you know, like the opposite effect. Um, right, and, right. Well, thankfully, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't raise a generation of misers. And we well, do no, talk I think about it's, that. You know, the spirit with which you do it, right? You're talking about what your values are and just, you know, earning what it is that you want and deciding what those priorities are. And not, you know, the two of you together, if having 14 kids is that's generosity, you know? So I think you've, you've modeled that generosity of spirit for them. I think it's really paid off. Um, one last question for you, Sam, what, what is one of your favorite stories that you share in the book? Uh, Well, it's probably about our kids and about them doing college, but I, you know, I talk about hand-me-downs and I talk Mm -hmm. about how, you know, kids like, you know, when they're little, I just remember my daughter, she was so proud that she had on her favorite cousin Kelly's shirt and our friend from church, Caitlin's skirt and <laughs> and so-and-so's shoes, Kara's shoes. And, and instead of being like, oh yeah, my outfit came from Walmart. You know, she was, she was <laughs> so excited that she was like, had a, a display of all her favorite people. And <laughs> so, so to not be ashamed, and for kids to learn, like I said, making do. And, you know, it is nice to have new stuff. But now that the, with our older kids, they have to buy their own clothes. They're realizing that, you know, I paid such and such amount of money for that. And it, it didn't hold up or it's out of style or, 
I stepped in a mud puddle with, you know, I don't know what it is with white shoes right now being so in, <laughs> but they're, they're like, yeah, I just stepped in a mud puddle. I'm like, well, you just bought these, you know, $40 white sneakers. What were you thinking? Mm-hmm. So they learn and then they'll make great choices when they're older and they're married or you're, you know, single. And we have seen such, we are just so proud of our, of our older kids. <laughs> we're like, dear Lord, please help us. Some with- the, the younger ones. Oh, yeah. The younger ones <laughs> we're working on. We tell the big kids, you have got to mentor these younger kids because we are just too old and tired. (laughs) (laughs) But that's great. That's one of the benefits of big family living, that that happens naturally inside of your family where the big kids are. Yes, my oldest granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter says to her mom, mom, why does Grammy have kids? (laughs) 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 We have a four and a half year old and she's six. So she's like, what is this? this is not normal. She already realized that, <laughs> but they love, you know, they love, they love having a big crazy family. And yeah, it's been wonderful. And I, I hope that we had a, a couple at church pull me aside and she said, Sam, what have you done? And I thought, Oh shoot. Cause I'm always getting myself <laughs> into trouble and put my foot in my mouth. And she said, when we joined this parish, you know, seven years ago, you were the only ones with a 15 passenger van. Now look at it. There's seven <laughs> of these huge vans in our church parking lot. And I thought, gosh, I love that this having a big family is cool again. And yeah. uh, I know, Danielle, you're from a big family. So I think people see that it's not as bad as, as you would think it is. Right. A man at the, the man <laughs> at the church nursery one time said to me, right, your kids are all like clean and well-behaved. I'm like, well, what did you expect? Like we were like hosing them down in the backyard or, you know, he said he just like couldn't fathom having, you know, at that time we had our 10. Right. I didn't fathom a family of that, but you know, they love how our older kids love younger kids. I don't know if that's a big family thing or a homeschooling thing. I love mm-hmm. that when we go somewhere, the kids love everybody. They love the older people. They love the babies. So I'm just grateful that our kids are learning these skills and not going to hopefully start their lives out in debt. Right. So if it means us teaching people how to be simple, then I'm all for it. <laughs> And that is absolutely what you do inside this book. So my guests today have been Sam and Rob Faxinger, who are parents of 14 and they live debt-free, kids graduating from college without debt. It is possible. Together, they have written the newly released book, A Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More, Advice from a Debt-Free Family of 16. Rob and Sam, thanks so much for coming on Girlfriends and sharing your story with us. You are truly an inspiration. I'm so grateful for your witness. Thank you to you, Danielle, yeah, and all you for do having us. for family. Absolutely. Well, coming up, we've got some listener feedback for you, so don't go anywhere. But first, we're having a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Okay, here's the gut check right here, because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Do you want to be holy? And do you want to be an instrument of renewal in this world? And if so, do you believe it's possible? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where to begin? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. My name is Father Mark Mary. I'm a Franciscan friar of the Renewal and I wrote a book called Habits for Holiness and it pulls from over 800 years of Franciscan tradition, wisdom, and experience of radical and total discipleship in the midst of the world but in a way which begins with little steps and works not only for religion, not only for priests, but for everybody. The change you desire is possible. The conversion you desire is possible. The renewal you desire is possible. The healing you desire is possible. And it begins with little steps. So to guide you on your way and to help you make the next best step of renewal in your life, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Habits for Holiness. God bless you. 
Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I usually like to share some listener feedback or a listener question. And uh, this week, I do have a listener question that came to me from Jamie. Jamie emailed me. She said, Dear Danielle, how can I get my husband to pray with me? I've always wanted to pray together as a couple. And though my husband is Catholic and he goes to mass every week, he's not really open to the idea. He says prayer is personal and that he thinks it would be, quote, weird for us to pray together. I've kind of forced him a few times and he says it's terribly awkward. And honestly, it is pretty awkward, but I think it's just because he's making it so uncomfortable. This is really starting to become an issue for me, but I want to be sure I'm being fair to him too. But shouldn't all good Catholic couples pray together? Please help, Jamie. All right, Jamie, this is interesting. And it's actually a question that I hear fairly often in in different forms, of course, from uh, Catholic women all the time, Christian women all the time. This is an ongoing thing. And I like how you open with your question, how can I get my husband to pray with me? And I, I totally understand that. That's the place where we all are. Like, how can I get him to do this? How can I get him to do that? I totally understand it. This is how we approach our marriage sometimes. And um, actually, I did a whole episode uh, a while back, episode number 140 of Girlfriends was six ways to support your husband uh, as a spiritual leader. So six ways to support your husband as a spiritual leader. And inside of that episode, and I'll link it in the show notes over at ascensionpress.com for this episode, I shared some ideas for ways to encourage your husband's spiritual leadership, but very much with the caution that we can't force these things to happen the way that we envision it happening. And sometimes that's just the problem. Sometimes we're, we find ourselves in these kind of gridlocks inside of our married relationships because we think it should be a certain way. And he kind of balks at the idea of us telling him what to do or the specific way to do it. And um, that's that's no way to be, that you're not going to enjoy it. Neither of you is going to be happy inside of that. So I'm not saying that's what's going on with you, Jamie, but there might be some element of that that you need to kind of figure out here. And at the end of your email, your question, you know, shouldn't all good Catholic couples pray together? I think we do need to be careful in using that kind of language. Like, shouldn't we, should it be this way in all good Catholic, whatever, all good Catholic women, all good Catholic families, all good Catholic couples look a certain way. And that's really a trap that we can fall into when we start feeling that kind of maybe anxiety, feeling like, oh, I'm not living up to, you know, this couple that I know that does pray together. And, or maybe you're seeing things online and you got to be very careful about comparing your relationship to anybody else's because that can lead to anxiety that has no business inside of your marriage. You are your own couple. Your marriage is unique. Everyone is different. And yes, of course, of course, it would be a very good thing for you to pray together. But the whys and the hows and the specifics of how that might ever come to pass are going to be unique to you. And they need to make sense for both of you as a couple. So I think being careful about how you're thinking about this, how you're framing this, even in your own mind, is really important because then that frames how you talk to your husband about it, the tone you have, the look on your face, the the way that you might sigh. You know, we, we married couples are so in tune with one another. I remember once getting angry at Dan for the way I, I accused him of, you know, the way he was breathing. And it was like the way he was sighing. He was kind of huffing and puffing about something. But what a ridiculous thing, right? Like, uh, don't breathe like that. But this is where we find ourselves inside of our marriages sometimes. So I want to caution you about that, about what thinking through, really thinking through 
through, what your attitude is about this. And um, if you're kind of ending up in this gridlock with him because you might be approaching it in a very forceful way and he might be resisting in part because of that. But then I also want to tell you, this is something that Alicia Hernan from the Messy Family podcast uh, said here on Girlfriends. A long time ago, she was a guest here, and we were talking about family prayer. We were talking about different kinds of prayer. We even talked about couple prayer. And what she said really stuck with me because I think it's really encouraging to think about. What she said was, if you go to Mass together, you are praying together as a couple. There you are, kneeling side by side in the pew. You are praying together as a couple. So you mentioned, Jamie, that your husband goes to Mass every week. Well, then you're praying together. Are you there beside him in the pew? You are praying together. It counts. And I love that uh, Alicia Hernan shared that very, you know, just very practically and um, in a very real way that it doesn't have to look a certain way. And starting where you are, I think is so important. So know that going to mass together counts. And that's a good place to begin and to feel good about. But then you also mentioned the awkwardness. And I love that because that's real. And it is intensely personal. And isn't that interesting that the person that you're married to is the person who you are likely the closest to physically and emotionally here on earth. And yet there's a level of awkward that can be introduced when you're sharing something spiritual together. And that's because that's another layer of intimacy. And if your husband's feeling awkward about that, that's very normal. And I, I would encourage you to affirm that. Just tell him, you know what? It is awkward. And that's that's just something that we kind of need to get past. And the more we do it, the less, the less awkward it will become. And the more of a beautiful experience it can become. And then that said, you know, start where you are. Don't be pushing for it to look a certain way. I don't know what your goals are or what you've tried doing together for praying together, but maybe just leave it up to him. And once a month, if he's not doing it, remind him that this is something important to you and that you're open to whatever he might be comfortable doing. Maybe just reciting a pre-written prayer together. That's the least awkward thing, I think, probably. The, the least awkward way to pray together would be that. Maybe where he reads the first part of a prayer and you read the second part and start there. You know, he might be open to doing something like that or saying the rosary or praying a chaplet or whatever, reading a little bit of scripture together. I don't know your specifics, but I, I would say be open to what he might like to do and rest in that. Rest in peace of knowing we're going to mass together. We are praying together. Don't weigh yourself down with all the shoulds. And then in the end, Jamie, I would just say, give it to God. God knows your heart and he knows your husband's heart and he loves you both so much, so deeply and personally. He loves each of you better than you can love each other. He knows you and loves each of you better than you know and love yourselves. And he wants good things for you. And of course, praying together as a couple would be a good thing for you and your marriage. So bring it to God. Tell him, I have this desire. Show me the ways in which this can happen. Guide me in my conversations with my husband about it, and then be be open to the ways in which God wants to answer your prayer. I want to thank you, Jamie, for sending in your question. If you have a question you'd like for me to take up here on Girlfriends, I would love to hear it. You can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com, or connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter would love to connect with you in those places. Also, if you just want to offer feedback on today's show or any recent show of Girlfriends, I would be happy to hear from you. I put together this podcast. I record this podcast each week for you, and I'm hoping that it's going to meet your needs. I'm hoping it's going to be encouraging and supportive in very real ways in your life. The best way that I can do that is if you let me know what's on your mind, what's on your heart, what are you struggling with? 
So send me your thoughts. Um, we can connect on Voxer too. I love to connect connect on Voxer. And if you send me a voice message on Voxer, I can share it right here on Girlfriends. I would love to add your voice to a future episode of the Girlfriends podcast. But for now, that's all the time we have. I just want to remind you to get your pre-order in for Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. The link for that is in the show notes at ascensionpress.com or connect with me on social media. If you go to my Instagram, you will see the link right there in my profile to pre-order your copy and get that exclusive offer for the free downloadable companion journal. That's a limited time that that's going to be available only people who pre-order can get access to that free companion journal. So you're going to want to do that. I don't want you to miss out. Make sure you get your pre-order in. But for now, I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of today's show. I'm always glad to connect with you here. It really is an honor and a privilege. I'm so grateful for the fact that you trust me with some of your time each week. Thank you so much for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 